It's really, it's wonderful to be in a place where you actually expect the presence of the living God to come. Not just to talk about God, but to actually come into a place where you really expect that God will be here. And that we worship together, we've gathered together the ecclesia, the called out ones, we've gathered together in the name of and for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our healer, our coming King. That's Jesus Christ. We're part of this grand scheme that God has in the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth and gave us a mandate to fill the earth, multiply his kingdom to come and sin entered in. And immediately God set into place a marvelous plan of redemption the, all through the history of time. At the right time, at the right moment, Jesus Christ the only begotten Son of the Father came and dwelt amongst us and gave his life for us on the cross, paid for that sin so that we could have eternal life. And it's not just eternal life so that we could populate heaven. He's given us eternal life now and the presence of Christ now in our life has an effect in our lives to, to give us hope for the future, but also to help us get past our past so that we can get past a past so that we can be fully alive in Christ to do the things that he wants us to do. And it's hard to write the next chapter of your life when you're only reading the last chapter. Let me say that again. <laughs> now, I used to teach graduate school numerous places, and my students learned a trick from me, and I said that when I say, let me say that again, that means that you're going to see it again on the exam. <laughs> So let me say that again. It's hard to write the new chapter of your life if you're only focused on the last chapter of your life. And Jesus Christ, our Lord, helps us get past a painful past so that we can live fully in the present, that the life of Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit, can fill us and help us and train us and correct us and come alongside of us so that we can manifest the very life and presence of Jesus Christ and the extension of the kingdom of God into this place. And when you come week after week and you worship together, you gather together, and may I say this worship team, wow, Wow. I mean, really, thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, uh, I'm a psychologist. I'm not a preacher. And I do know that it's possible to have your body in some place and have your mind in some other place. You know, it's possible to do that. Now, and I'm hoping that you're here today. 
And I mean, I'm hoping that you really are here. And the time of worship, when we gather together, sing and praise, it helps our heart and mind to be in the same place where our bodies are. And so we continue worship through the sharing of the cup and the, and the bread, and we continue worship through giving. And I hope that you are cheerful givers, but even if you're not a cheerful giver, I hope that you're a generous giver. And so they, whether you're cheerful or not, God would like it if you were cheerful. And now the, the continue of the praise through the, the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. And it's powerful. And we gather together. We seek the Lord together. We grow together so that we're built up together into that new person that God is doing. And then you leave this place and you go out into the place where God has called you uniquely to the stores, to the workplace, to your home, to your community, to your neighbor. And you bring the kingdom of God into the place where you are. And then as the rhythm of life, you come back and you gather again and you worship and you care and you pray and you pray for one another and you allow yourself to be prayed for by one another and you're grown up and you're taught the word of God and then you go out in that rhythm of life. That's the life in Christ. That's the life of the church. That's what we do. Hallelujah. And so I invite you today, whatever form you have, whether it's hard copy, soft copy, electronic copy, that you would look into the Word of God with me today. We're going to begin our study today, and we're talking today about Jesus Christ helping us get past our past. And so I want to anchor this time in the Word of God, and we begin with an Old Testament reading from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, it's the, uh, right after Psalms and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, it's the, it's the big prophet, not the minor prophet. Isaiah is the big prophet. So if you'll look at Isaiah chapter 53, and I would like to bring us into the presence of the Lord again with the reading of his word. And here we see in, in Isaiah 53, beginning with verse 4, here's what the word of God says. Surely. Do you ever think about that word, surely? Not maybe. Not possibly. Not perhaps. The Holy Spirit moved upon the writer, and he said, surely, without a doubt, he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted, afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Oh, praise God for that. The punishment that brought us 
peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. And not just physical healing, but we're talking about intellectual healing, emotional healing, relational healing, spiritual healing, the healing that is found in Jesus Christ. And he has brought us this healing, and he says, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's astonishing. When you think that God Almighty, in his patience, in his forbearance, in his goodness, in his love, he waited till just the right time, and he continues to wait, and he's gathering in people like you and me and people that you influence. He's waiting, waiting, waiting. He wants people to come to him. And we gather together because of Jesus Christ. It's astonishing. We read in Romans, uh, you know, well, we can just go through some of these, but in Romans 3, that we are really lost. All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 5, that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. God loved us so much that he sent his son. Can you even imagine that? That God, while we were his enemies, not when we were his friends, when we were his enemies, Christ died for us. How much more does he love us now that we're his? Much more. And not only that, but in Romans 6, we talk about God's grace. And in him, we have this mighty, that he took our iniquities. And 1 John talks about that he was, that, that, that he who has the Son has life because life is in the Son. And if you have the Son, you have life. And the question is this morning is, do you have the Son in you? Have you received Christ? Have you known Christ? And may I just say, that's just the beginning. It's not the end game. It's just the beginning. When we place our confidence, when we place our faith, when we place our trust in Him, it begins a journey of life. It begins a journey of putting off the old and putting on the new. It begins a journey of a new family. We're adopted into a new family. The old is past and is passing. The new has come and is coming. Believe me, it's all about Jesus Christ. And we have the opportunity to be here. And God has gifted you with a pastor, pastors that are here. Uh, pastor Evan, Pastor Sarah, you've got the team that are here that love you, that are giving themselves to you. I mean, look at this place. This, is, this doesn't just happen. This is because of the love that they have for you so that you will grow up into the full maturity of Christ and so that you will walk daily with Christ in the place where you happen to be and the Spirit of God uniquely comes through you. There's an expression of Christ through you that is not duplicated by any other person. 
And you go out into that world that you are called to and you bring the good news of Jesus Christ. Oh, I tell you, beloved, it's wonderful. Jesus Christ, we need a Savior because he's our Redeemer. He's our Rescuer. He's our Advocate. The living God, Jesus, stands and sits before the Father. He prays for you. He advocates for you. He reminds God of the covenant that he has made with you. And we are born again. We are born anew. It's an amazing thing. How can this possibly be? That's what Nicodemus said to Jesus. When Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3 that you must be born again. That must have seemed so strange. That must have been so odd to think, what do you mean born again? How can, a, how can you, I mean, who would want to? I mean, seriously, you, you know, you came out of there once. Why would you want to go back? And he's thinking, how can you do this? And Jesus said, no, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. We're talking about the real deal. It's Jesus Christ born again of the spirit. So when we talk about this whole idea of salvation, what are we talking about? Listen, I'm not a Greek scholar or the son of one, but the word sozo, it just means to, to make sound, to heal, to save, that to preserve, that word save or savior. Some of you are getting ready to do some canning, right, in the next couple of months. You've got your garden going and you're going to put it in that can and boil it and you're going to hear the, wait for the little, <laughs> right, the little, when it pops like that and you know now that it's saved, <laughs> it's sealed, and uh, that you've been saved from death and you've been kept alive in the salvation. Believe me, this whole idea of salvation is a marvelous gift of God. It's something that just, it's the gift, as we say, that keeps on giving. And so you say, well, Dr. Don, what is the purpose of salvation? What's the big deal? Why? Not a bad question, may I say. That's a good question. Why? What's the point? Well, here's what we get from the scriptures. It's the real new life. You, we are saved from punishment. We're saved from death. We're saved from sin. But it's not just we're saved from. We are saved unto. We're saved unto new life. And may I say... You're going to live forever. And there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> That's good news. You're saved. You are born anew. And he is extending now his kingdom through you. And may I say that when you come to Christ... It would be nice if some of that junk that we brought into salvation would just go away. But the fact of the matter is, is that we all have a history. We all have a history. 
And we all have a past. And sometimes that past will keep us from fully realizing all of the benefits and all of the power and all of the grace that God has for us in the present. And so we're talking today about getting past your past. So how's that take place? Well, one of the questions I'm always curious about in the work that I do is I like to kind of find out what's on the inside. Do you ever wonder what's on the inside? You remember Jesus said that what is on the inside has a way of coming to the outside. Proverbs 4 says, above all else, guard your own heart for out of it flows the issues of life. Out of it flows everything that's important. What is on the inside of you has a way of coming to the outside of you. And it's, it's, you're wondering, oh boy, the psychologist is trying to figure me out. Oh, no worries. It's already been done. you know that everything we do tells something about us? I just said this. Let me say that again. Everything we do tells something about us. What is on the outside of us, our words, our actions, the stores we like to go to, the books we like to read, the kinds of films, the kind of music, the friends we choose, the personality, the temperament, all of that is something that's on the outside that tells something about the inside. And life has this way of accumulating its effects on us. So what's on the inside? Well, you know, it's our birth order. It's our personality. It's our temperament. It's our family of origin. It's our generational history. It's the choices that we've made, the books we've read, the, the things that we've done in our life or things that have been done to us. It involves all of the above. In fact, it includes, as one wise person said, it includes the good and the bad and the ugly, it's all given to us. And what is on the inside has a way of coming to the outside even after we are born again. And sometimes people are hindered And that's why I'm glad we're at a church like this because as part of the rhythm of the times when we are together, we gather together, we worship together, even if it's, as we would say, vineyard time. We're gathering together, but we worship, we praise, we expect the living God to actually show up, the preaching faithfully week after week after week of the Word of God. And you've been talking about the light of the world, Jesus Christ over these last weeks. And we gather together. And yet, sometimes, we are hindered from realizing all of the potential of our life because of our past. So how do we get past 
a painful past, particularly if that past has involved shame and it hurts so badly. And can we ever come back? And sometimes that inner accusatory voice, you're never going to make it. You think that you're really something. You think that you're born again. Well, let me tell you, and I can tell you that that reminding of our past, sometimes those mistakes from our past or things that have happened, I will tell you, and I'll say it again towards the end, the enemy knows your name but calls you by your sin. Jesus knows your sin but calls you by his name. That's good news. I will tell you that's wonderful news. So how do we overcome? How do we even understand what this thing is called shame? Shame is this overwhelming, painful experience. It's embarrassment, humiliation. It leaves someone feeling alone, powerless, unworthy, weak, and hurt. It is something that is internalized. It becomes part of the inner part of us that can keep us hindered from realizing all that God has for us. Listen, he has given us new life, and it's time now to put those things into the past. Stop reading that page from the history and begin to write the new chapters of your life. But words are powerful. Do you remember growing up, and I grew up, you know, a long time ago as a kid, and I remember, I mean, you think of my last name, Litchie. You think of all the words that can rhyme with that, in addition to itchy. But there were other words. And sometimes to get over it, I'd kind of, you know, stick out my chest and stick in my stomach. And I'd say, well, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Oh, that is so false. Words are powerful. Words make a difference. And when you have one another in this body of Christ and you see these little children, make sure that you measure your words because those words, when they go into you, those you messages become the I messages. When you look at a child and you say, you know, I see the hand of God on your life. I see that you're a winner. I believe in you. Believe me, that is something that will go deep into your life. Words are powerful. In fact, the scripture says that words actually have the power of both life and death. That's how powerful words are. And those you messages of childhood can become the I messages of our adulthood. And as the scripture says, that as a man, as a woman, thinks in their heart, so they are. But not everything that you think is true. We just believe that they're true. And it's okay to challenge what you're thinking. And I'm encouraging you, church, please hear this. Think about your thinking. Just because you think it does not make it true. We can lose face. And I can tell you that there are few things in life 
that hurt as much as trauma and shame and pain because it becomes a part of us. And this whole idea about, you know, where does it come from? Well, it can come from all different kinds of sources. It can come from our parents and the big people and teachers and coaches and anyone who has power over us. The question is, what can we do? And I, I'm going to ask you to really hear me on this. This is called an important point. Here it is. If you have a distorted view of God, and if you have a distorted view of yourself, it will keep you from fully realizing all that God has for you, and it will keep you down. It will keep you from being fully effective for what God wants actually to do through you. That's why this message, I believe, is so important. So what can you do? Well, one of the things that we do in the work that we do is we say, let's just at least take a little look at this for a little while. And you say, well, what, where did this where did this thinking come from? You know, that's a big part of salvation, isn't it? It's the renewing of our mind. That's why we present our bodies before God, so that we can have a renewed mind. Where does it come from? Where's the first time you begin to believe that lie about yourself? What's the worst time? When's the most recent time? And I will tell you that your th it affects your thinking. It affects your emotions. It affects your relationships. And it will certainly affect your soul and your spirit because it allows you to not be able to trust. And you know, there's so many things that you have learned to believe about yourself that are not true. So what do you do? Well, you review your past. You're thankful for God's provision when you see it. You are careful not to be preoccupied with your past. That's why I said it's hard to write the new chapters of your life if you're only focused on the last chapter. And then what happens is that we don't really live according to the events of our past. We live according to the memory and the interpretation that we give to the events of our past. And I want to share part of the good news of the gospel is that we can see things differently. Jeremiah talks about the mystery of our heart. He said, it's, you know, there's a whole lot that goes on in us that's below the level of conscious awareness. But we develop this lens through which we interpret life and we interpret relationships and we have a view of ourselves. And I want to challenge you today to begin to change and see that the living God, the Holy Spirit, can help you get past a painful past, not just so that you can say, okay, I'm done with that. No, it's so that you can live 
fully in the grace and the knowledge and the power of the living God now. Say, well, okay, Don, how is that done? Well, first of all, you realize that you really don't live according to the events of the past. It's not possible because those events are done. They're over and time has gone on. So what do we do? We're living according to a memory of that event. We're living according to an interpretation of that event. And that interpretation can be edited. So how do you do that? One is that we're going to do in just a few moments. That is, you're going to take the lid off and you're going to be open and you're going to be honest before God. You're going to take the lid off. And really, here's kind of a diagram of what it means. You're going to take that lid off and be open before God. And you're going to cry out to God. And you're going to be honest about those things that have hurt you in the past, those shaming words. You're going to be open and honest. In the Psalms, David began to, to call out to God. There's a whole series of Psalms called the imprecatory Psalms. Now, I'm trying to impress you now with a big word like called imprecatory. It just means the Psalms of honesty. And I will tell you that when David was honest before God, God never condemned him. He was able to be clear and open and honest before God. He was able to talk about those hurts that were in his life. And then he was able to cry out to God until he was an emotionally spent. In other words, just you know, this may be something that you have to do two or three times or 10 times or 20 times. You cry out to God openly, honestly. You're emotionally spent. You say, well, probably should shut the window so the neighbors don't get nervous. But then, here's the miracle. This is the living God. You wait quietly, still, before God. And you trust that the living God will come into that experience and begin to help you see it differently. Joseph had to do that. He was given a raw deal by his brothers Arrested. He was sold into slavery, falsely accused. He was imprisoned. God worked in his life. And when the brothers came and they thought they were going to get it, Joseph said, listen, guys, I've already prayed through. And those things that you intended for evil, God meant for good. I'm not saying there was anything good in that. It was awful. But God is real. And God's interested in what's going on in your life. And then make sure that you praise God for the new meaning that he gives. In other words, you know, God can help you begin to see that those things that you thought were true about you were not true at all. You can begin to look at something in a different way. This is a little test if you look at this picture, I just want to ask you, what do you see here? How many of you can see the old lady? May I see your hand? How many of you can see the young lady? May I see your hand? You know, you're looking at the same thing, but you're looking at it 
in a different way. What's amazing is that you cannot see both at exactly the same time. And so when you look at something like this and you say, well, what do you see here? How many of you can see the vase? How many of you can see the faces? It's interesting that you're looking at the same thing, but you're looking at it differently. And when you begin to look more clearly into the face of Jesus, actually, if you look closely here, you can actually see the whole redemptive your heart out and you wait for the living God, the Holy Spirit. Listen, this is a church that really believes in the reality of the presence of God. It's not just reading about God. It's, it's really experiencing the presence of God. And I can tell you that that there's a work that's going on, I believe, even today. And as I close, there's going to be these little voices inside. I know that's going to happen. But I can tell you that based upon the Word of God, that God Almighty says this about you. He says, I love you. And we internalize that as, oh, I'm lovable. And he says, look, I value you. Therefore, I'm valuable. I'm changing you. I'm taking you from where I found you. I'm bringing you along. And I guess I am changeable. I don't have to be stuck in that past, in that history that's keeping me back. We serve the living God that says, I love you, I value you, I'm willing to forgive you, I'm changing you. And Jesus says on more than one occasion, there's nothing you can do about it. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Listen, please, I beg you in the name of Jesus Christ, own this as your identity. Because of Christ, I am lovable, valuable, forgivable, changeable, and I'm never alone. So what does that mean? That means that because of Christ, actually you say, well, without Christ, we're really lost. But because of Jesus Christ, we're really found. And God didn't just talk about it. The scripture says God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more does he love us now? And Jesus Christ is God's perfect solution to a painful past. As the prayer team comes and joins us today, I'm just going to ask that you would stand for just a moment. And...